What's up, everyone? And if you're listening for the first time, welcome. My name is Rhiannon, and you're listening to Till Shiloh Radio, where we discuss human history from a biblical perspective. Till Shiloh Radio. So for those of you that have been listening, I know I said I wanted this topic of the antediluvian era to be three episodes, but I've definitely gone into like a lot more details than I thought I was originally going to go into. But you know, that's cool because the more info, the better, right? (laughs) So before I start though, if this is your first time listening, I do recommend um, going back and listening to part one first, just because I want everyone to be up to speed with the discussed, um, with what we discussed before, before I go on, because I am just continuing where I left off. So in the previous episodes, we discussed um, the descendants of Cain, as well as the violation against the laws of creation, where the fallen angels had children with the daughters of mankind, which spawned, you know, these hybrid beings known as the gods and demigods of mythology today. Um, But in last week's episode specifically, we talked about mysticism, which led to the birth of the many secret societies, which are still alive and kicking today. And, you know, these guys, these secret societies, these are the people we refer to as the Illuminati, which sidebar, I didn't go into um, detail about the Illuminati last week, though, because this topic is one for later on, because what I did was, well, my plan for this whole topic was I was going to start in this antediluvian, the pre-flood era. I don't know if you guys remember in the first episode, I talked about the Bible. It begins in Genesis but it ends in Genesis as well. So the beginning of the Bible is so essential because this is what shaped our history. And this is why things are happening the way they are now. So that's why I'm going into the detail of what happened in the pre-flood history. And then I think it's about two more episodes. Um, And then I'm just going to wrap up. Like I think on episode, I'll do one more episode. And then on episode five or maybe next episode, I'm just going to, At least we have the pre-flood history so then we could i could discuss what's happening currently and tie it into what happened in genesis and how it plays into the prophecy and what has been disguised over time so we can't puzzle piece together everything that's been going on but yeah i guess that's my plan um honestly guys i've just been winging it um just picking topics so it's like okay I'm gonna talk about the very very beginning I mean I didn't talk about Adam and Eve because I mean we know what happened with Adam and Eve um but it's what happened with Cain because it's when Cain went off is when everything started to take off the evil and I know evil is a really dark thing to discuss and I mean I could have made this podcast to be another you know just uplifting using the scriptures to uplift people which the scriptures should be used as but also it's a history book and like I said before my passion I'm very passionate about history and me learning about my history and tying it into the bible all the prophecies make sense and when you see everything that it's kind of like you know when people say they're woke Um, but you know, they still get distracted and, you know, they're woke about the lies that are still not even the lies that are being fed to them, but they believe themselves to be woke because, you know, they're knowledgeable about the information just being given to them on the news and social media and stuff, you know, um, what I define as woke is 
being deeply rooted in the scriptures and prophecies and knowing true history from the scriptures and and prophecies. And um, you see, you, you start to look at the world in a different perspective. Um, you see certain things happening, you know, new inventions, uh, you know, in the world of science. And you see what's happening with wars and the people and where the people are at. You see who's at work. You're very hyper aware of, you know, the spiritual beings behind these things, you know, um, because a lot of people and people in the church, you know, they aren't even aware that the enemy lies within them in that church. You know, it, a lot of things have been infiltrated. What we, te what we seem to forget this whole thing, it's a war. It's a war and it's a spiritual war. And because we can't see, we can't see the spirits because we can't see them. We can only see what's in front of us. We, They've been able to misguide us and deceive us. And we're completely focused on all the wrong things. So this is why I'm talking about the history. This is why I'm talking about Genesis and what happened in Genesis to shape where we are today. So again, I'm not going to go all the way from Genesis up to this current day. That would take up how many episodes. I just, I just want to talk about the antediluvian era and what these fallen angels did to shape the history and have people follow out, you know, this scheme. Basically, you know, just like how we consider ourselves, you know, uh, people of God and, you know, we're doing God's will. There are people who are doing, you know, the enemy's will. And um, that's why I'm talking about the history so we can see where it all started and how they preserved it. Because like we said, we don't understand, you know, the flood happened. But how, how is the same thing happening all over again? Right. So this is why these things are important. So after I talk about, you know, this topic of the antediluvian period, then I could just at least we have the knowledge of what happened back then. So then I could just roll off, you know, roll off the tongue and talk about how the Illuminati plays into what happened before the flood and how aliens come into play when um, when it talks about uh, in the times of the flood. Sorry. in that the aliens, what are they disguised at? And all these things that we hear about, you know, the conspiracy theories that we hear about these conspiracy theories, they all have root into what happened back when in Genesis. Okay. We have been guys, when I tell you, um, you literally have to unlearn and relearn history, true history for you to be like, whoa, like for you to be woke, like, whoa, you start looking at every single thing differently. It's insane. So that's why, um, you know, there's certain things where it's like, I'm sure there's people like, okay, what am I getting at? Okay. You know, there's fallen angels. There was these hybrids. Yeah, there was these hybrids and okay, you know, um, the Bible says they were on, on earth before the flood and also after, so I think what flies over a lot of people's heads are just like how there was a pure bloodline, which eventually brought forth our savior, Yahshua. There is a serpent line, a serpent bloodline, the same serpent bloodline that brings forth the Antichrist. Do you see what I'm saying? So we're just thinking, oh, who's there's a specific bloodline that is being preserved. You know, the enemy replicates everything that God has already done. So 
this is where I'm going with this topic. This is why it's important for me to talk about, you know, we read the Bible and we don't care about Cain's bloodline. We don't care about these people, but these are the people. And this is the bloodline we have bloodline we have to watch for because there is something huge coming our way. And because a lot of people don't know it, we fall into the trap. Just like I've mentioned in the scripture where God says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. This is why we have to be knowledgeable to what's going on around us and see who's really at work here. You know, everybody's talking about Donald Trump and the U.S. It's like, these things don't matter. They don't matter at all. They are all playing, you know, they're all fulfilling their role in this whole game here. Okay? So, guys, it doesn't even matter whether we vote liberal or conservative, Democrat or Republican, because they all fulfill the roles and move their pieces on the chessboard. And, you know, the sick thing about it is that we just sit here and we vote and we pick which moves the enemy will put into play towards our own demise. Okay, so, you know, like we have to remember also God didn't even want us to be ruled by anyone. Um, in First Samuel 5 to 18, it talks about the Israelites asking for someone to rule over them like the other nations. And it says here, I'm going to read the scripture. Now appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. And he prayed to the Lord and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me, serving other gods. So they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly. And let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others plow the ground and reap his harvest. And still others make weapons of war and equipment of for his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. And he will take the best of your fields and your vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkey he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and, and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief and the king you, from the king you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. Do y'all hear what the scripture is saying? We are still living this to this day. This is what we asked for, okay? They will take our sons to serve them with their chariots and some he will assign as commanders, just like they do today in the military, taking from you, taking a tenth to give to his people, just like they do with, you know, with taxes. And we will, and we will complain. We will complain, but the most high will not answer. This is what we asked for. And we got, and we got it. 
And the thing is too, these politicians, they're just the face guys. They're disposable puppets. It's the big boss who was hidden from view that makes the calls. These politicians follow orders, okay? They are the front men, you know, the decoy. And like I said, they're doing their due diligence to ensure that the chess pieces are moving towards the big boss's plan, towards our destruction. And we just vote. We vote for which one they move forward because we think it's what we want. It's a it's a huge mind game. It's really it's a really really sick game, guys. And as I and as I mentioned before, there is a serpent bloodline that is being preserved for the end times. And this is why I'm talking about the antediluvian era, okay? This is because this is where the bloodline started. These secret societies and you know, the corrupted religion all surrounding this bloodline. This is why I'm talking about this. And this is why it's so important for me because when I continue my podcast, y'all will know what's at work. Because you guys will already know the history and who's at play here. Okay? But moving forward, <laughs> last week I spoke about Cain's first son, Enoch, who, for reference, we call Bad Enoch, um, you know, to separate him from the Holy Enoch, who's the son of Jared from the Holy Lineage of Seth. And we made this distinction because, you know, people forget that there were two Enochs in that era. Or they try to fuse the two together and blur the lines so we can't tell between the two. Um, so we talked about the bad Enoch and, you know, his connection to this Hermes Trismegistus and the Egyptian god Thoked, which we figured it looks like anyone who preserved this uh, forbidden, you know, corrupted knowledge. It got this title Hermes and was linked to, you know, these three important people in history. Well, I mean, like they were important to the people, you know, in the secret societies. But yeah, so we know that God sent the flood to wipe the earth clean, um, you know, of the evil on the earth. Um, and the new polytheistic religion, you know, had people worshiping fallen angels and the Nephilim as their gods. And, you know, people were doing all types of evil things, um, which I did mention from the book of Enoch. It went into the detail um, that how the fallen angels introduced uh, sorcery and weapons, astronomy, um, makeup, and they also taught the women how to abort their babies. Okay, so the fallen angels came and shook up mankind and taught them sinful things, but also had children with the women to spawn these mutant monster babies and brought forth, you know, a whole new level onto earth, right? Those Nephilim, those demigods. But the Most High, you know, he shut it down, he sent the flood to wipe the earth. But Genesis 6, it does tell us that the Nephilim survived. Um, in those days, but at also after the flood. Okay, so this is where Hermes comes into play. So long story short, uh, this Hermes, he finds two pillars. And these pillars are the ones that bad Enoch built to preserve the forbidden knowledge and those seven sacred sciences from the flood. And these pillars, you know, they have the location as to where the information is hidden. So Hermes now, he finds it and you know he goes on a little quest for knowledge and according to the legends of freemasonry this knowledge was preserved in a pyramid which one i couldn't tell you um but bad enoch preserved this knowledge in hieroglyphics um in like many tablets and stuff right so hermes finds the tablets that has all this forbidden knowledge after the flood and brings it to nimrod and okay, so if you know anything about Nimrod, he is mentioned in scripture. Um, Noah was his uh, grandfather, and he was from the lineage of Noah's son, Ham. So, you know, um, Noah and his kids were on the boat. So Ham was one of those kids on the ark. 
And when Ham started having kids, um, Ham had a son named Kush, and then Kush had Nimrod. Oh, okay, so my bad. Noah was his great-grandfather, not his grandfather. Okay, so... In the table of nations, in Genesis 10, it says of Nimrod, I'm going to read here, Cush was the father of Nimrod, who became a mighty warrior on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. That is why it said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The first centers of his kingdom were Babylon, Uruk, Akkad, and Calneh, and Shinar. From that land, he went to Assyria, where he built Nineveh, Nineveh, Rehoboth, Ur, Kalna, and Rezin, which is between Nineveh and Kala. I think it's a Kalna. My bad. Butchering the name of these places. Sorry. Which is the great city. So first, I want to mention here, I want to talk about what does the name Nimrod mean? Okay, so Nimrod, it comes from the Hebrew word marad, meaning rebel. So, you know, you add the N before the M, it turns it into Nimrod, meaning the rebel. So Nimrod isn't his name at all, but it's a representation of him, of a system in this case, um, in rebellion against the creator, the one true God. So, you know, rebellion began soon after the flood as civilizations were restored. And like we read, many of these rebellious civilizations were the kingdoms of Nimrod, the rebel. And if you listen to my previous episode on the history of Christmas, we know that Nimrod was essentially the first antichrist running a world order, just like we know the big boys are trying to run a new world order. So Nimrod already had that that world order on lock after the flood. Okay, so at this time he's a very he's a very important factor in this grand scheme. Okay, so Nimrod and this Hermes they partner up and they share this forbidden knowledge only to a chosen few, starting their own little secret society and using the knowledge to bring forth the polytheistic religion back to the people in total rebellion against the Most High and. Boom, we're back where we started. So in Genesis 11, we read about the infamous Tower of Babel that was built to reach heaven. But obviously the people must have known that it would have been impossible, so it makes sense that the tower was built for a more symbolic reason. But what would have been the reason? Nelson's Bible Dictionary, it says that the Tower of Babel was built as a symbol for human pride and rebellion. It was an act of self-glory and a statement of independence, rebirthing the antediluvian era of corruption and rebellion against the Most High. So now, if Hermes came and brought this information, this forbidden knowledge and the sacred sciences over to Nimrod, the rebel, and Nimrod is ruling over his kingdoms. And, you know, Nimrod, he enforces this um, ancient pantheistic religion onto the peoples. He had people worshiping these fallen angels and Nephilim gods all over again. So the tower now, it was either built out of respect for their new gods or in defiance against the Most High. Or it could have been both reasons. In scripture, we read that the Most High was not okay with the building of the tower. Um, he shut down production and he changed the languages of the people and scattered them all over the earth. 
So remember, Nimrod the rebel was running the first world order after the flood. Everyone was speaking a universal language so that they understood each other. In Genesis 11, verses 5 to 9, it says, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it's called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. And from there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So God saw, God saw this is what they chose to do when they came together with this corrupt knowledge. And they chose to rebel against the creator of the universe. So God shut it down. So the reason why I'm sharing the story of Babel is because, like I said, history repeats itself. And like we saw here, Nimrod was running the first world order. There was a universal language. Everybody was under his control. He built the first cities. He had the civilizations running again the way it used to before the flood. So like we said, Hermes came and brought this forbidden knowledge and he took it. He had his secret societies because only a chosen people knew the mystery, religion, the mystics, right? And gave people the pantheistic religion to worship these many fallen angels and Nephilim as their gods, right? So they chose, they came together with this universal language right? They're all able to communicate with one another. And that's what they chose to do. They chose to rebel against the most high. So we know now in our current days that, you know, the big man is trying to replicate just like what Nimrod did. He, they are trying to replicate the new world order. Not the old one. They're doing a new world order. And we could see over time, over many thousands of years, what has become the new universal language the English language, right? Everybody knows how to, even if they don't know, they learn, right? English is our new universal language, right? So through this universal language, they'll be able to talk to everybody. And through this universal language, they'll be able to get everybody on their boat, right? When the time comes and they need to enforce this religion, like I said, history is just repeating itself. Like I said, they're slowly replicating what Nimrod did to rebirth this new world order, to rebirth this ancient days where the big boys here and who they worship, everybody will be on the same boat. We could see that with the new age religion. You know, we already have many pantheistic religions that are still practiced today, but they want it worshiped on a worldwide scale. They want us to follow their beliefs right? They want us to follow the corrupted religion. So according to craft legends of Freemasonry, um, they note that Nimrod was a Mason who loved corrupted sciences and was also a grandmaster leader of the cult. So he was the first grandmaster who led the post-Diluvian people into disaster. Hermes brought the info to Nimrod and Nimrod taught all the Masonic signs and knowledge to separate his builders and their craft from the rest of mankind. 
Nimrod used Babel for symbolic purposes for his new pantheistic religion, even though the religion itself wasn't new. And he built the tower um, with more than a thousand Masons who were already indoctrinated in the sciences. And this is all according to Masonic legends, okay? Um, so this Masonic group at Babel became known as the super, super secretive Great White Brotherhood. Um, and Nimrod's ancient Great White Brotherhood organization still to this day, it now lies in the confines of the secret Illuminati. And Nimrod's arrogance didn't sit well with God, who in Freemasonry, God, the Most High, is known as the lover of humility. But as we know, um, God confused the languages and separated the people, and it was God's way to stop the practicing of this corrupted craft, according to Anderson legend. And unfortunately, the corrupted knowledge wasn't lost in the dispersion. Um, Nimrod once again reestablished his ancient Babylonian empire using his Masonic knowledge. He built the other cities, you know, Assyria, Nineveh, and Rehoboth, and Calais, and all the other ones. Nimrod and the Masonic cult was flourishing, and this knowledge was inherited by the Chaldeans, who were known as mathematicians, who we know in scripture, they were known as the wise men or the Magi, right? Um, Nimrod also had actually persuaded the Chaldeans to become the first fire worshippers, casting those who refused to become fire worshippers into giant furnaces as sacrifices to his god, who was uh, Marduk or Molech. So there is another Jewish legend which states that Nimrod was trying to do the same to Abraham. And Abraham apparently told off Nimrod right in his face for denying God and leading the people away from the one true God. And Nimrod, you know, somehow he cast Abraham into a dungeon for a year and then casted him into the furnace after that. And Abraham didn't burn or die because he was righteous in the eyes of God and under his protection. So this story between Nimrod and Abraham, it is just a legend though. However, a confrontation with Nimrod could have been the reason in scripture it records that Abraham ran from Ur, right? Or Chaldea to Canaan for his own protection, which possibly could be, you know, from the terrorism of Nimrod, you know, forcing the people to follow this new world order. That could have been what he was running from. But Nimrod, he did stay true to his works and, you know, he was horrible from beginning to end and he brought back the corrupted knowledge from the dead with the help of Hermes and it flourished in Chaldea, which then spread to his other empires after Babel. Um, the Chaldeans were the keepers of the corrupted knowledge as well as the Egyptians. So that's how they got all the way to Egypt because Nimrod did rule over these empires for a bit. So Nimrod, he is a role model or like prototype for the upcoming Antichrist. Um, you know, Nimrod and Babel, they are documented in Genesis as a warning to all generations, you know, that will follow. And, you know, circumstances will come about in the future, just like it did in Babel, where a new world order would take place for the sake of the people but in the spirit of rebellion. You know, this is all part of this conspiracy that's rooted in Genesis 6, you know, the big sign, the sign of Noah. Okay, so... Like us humans, we are a pretty predictable species, you know, and it's for these reasons that those who are wise have to pay close attention to the signs of the times and our generation. 
You see, this last generation of ours, you know, we couldn't be any more ignorant or arrogant about the Bible's true origins, you know, or its truths or warnings. You know, our generation is so blinded from the truth and are completely unprepared for what is going to take place. You know, spiritual blindness isn't a coincidence either. It's, you know, it's part of the warning and the prophecy for the last generation. You know, Luke chapter 17 verses 26 to 30 says, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage up until the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. And the days of Lot, but the days of Lot left Sodom. Fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like on this day, the Son of Man is revealed. So the sign of Noah, it isn't, you know, a great flood or, you know, the rainbow covenant between Noah and God when God promised he'd never judge the earth again by water. The sign of Noah is about the circumstances of Noah's generation, which brought the first apocalypse, right? Which was the flood onto the people onto earth in this antediluvian era. And so Yahshua, you know, he prophesied and he said that the circumstances will parallel the days of Noah. Remember again, God only promised that he would never judge the earth by water again. Not that he wouldn't judge the world at all. So humankind will be judged again, but this time by fire. This is why the sign of Noah is also linked um, to Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah and Luke. But here's the catch as well. The Nephilim, they will mark this generation. But the question is how? So Barosus, who was a Greek Babylonian writer and astronomer, who was also a priest of Baal Marduk, who is one of the fire gods of Nimrod's uh, cult religion. But he stated that when the planets align in Cancer, the world will be ravaged by fire. Barosus was the only known astronomer that had fixed dates to these disaster events based on only astronomical alignments. The astrological and astronomical signs are the end time signs like the scriptures say in Luke, Matthew and Mark. The scripture says there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars. On earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror and apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. See, the antediluvian age was destroyed because of the evil and violence caused of the Nephilim in rebellion. Um, so will it be for the same reasons that this age will be destroyed with fire. But here's the catch. It will be because of evil and corruption and rebellion by the descendants of Nephilim, okay? Remember I said, there is a snake bloodline still thriving under our noses right now, okay? The descendants of Nephilim, this is where the rebellion and corruption and evil will be caused in these end times. Honestly, I think most people would be very disturbed and shocked at the direct parallel in our current generation um, with the last couple generations before the flood. In Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 4, verses 7 to 27, um, before I read this, though, uh, the Apocrypha, it, the Wisdom of Solomon is included in the Apocrypha, in the King James Version with the Apocrypha. It's also included in the Septuagint Bible. A lot of the old translations have this, or you could buy on Amazon um, a separate book with all the Apocrypha included in it. But I do want to read chapter 14, verses 7 to 27 of the Wisdom of Solomon. A blessing was on Noah's wooden boat that allowed the righteousness to survive, but a curse is on an idol made by human hands. 
A curse is also on the one who makes it, because he works on this perishable thing and then calls it a god. Ungodly people and these ungodly things they make are equally hated by God, who will punish both the things made and the people who made them. And so God's judgment will fall on pagan idols, because even though they are made from something God created, they become horrible things that trap the souls of foolish people. Sexual immorality began when idols were invented. They have corrupted human life ever since they were first made. Idols have not always existed, nor will they exist forever. It was human pride that brought them into this world, and it was a why a quick end had been planned for them. Once there was a father who was overwhelmed with grief at the untimely death of his child, so he made an image of that child who had been suddenly taken from him, and then honored a dead human being as a god, and handed on secret rituals and ceremonies to those who were under his authority. And as time went on, this ungodly custom became stronger. Finally, it became law, and idols were being worshipped at the commands of powerful rulers. When people lived too far away to honor a ruler in his presence, but were eager to pay honor to this absent king, they would imagine what he must look like, and would make a likeness of him. The ambitious artists who made these likeness caused this worship to spread, even among the people who did not even know the king. An artist might want to please some ruler, so he would use his skill to make the likeness better looking than the actual person. Then the people will be so attracted by the work of the art that the one whom they had earlier honored now became an object of their worship. So all of this became a deadly trap, because the people who were grieving or under royal authority would take some objects of wood or stone and give them honor and reserve for the one God. One thing led to another. It was not enough to be wrong about the knowledge of God. They lived in a state of evil warfare, but they were so ignorant that they called it peace. They murdered children in their initiation rituals, celebrated secret mysteries, and held wild ceremonial orgies with unnatural practices. They no longer kept their lives or their marriages pure. A man might kill another by an act of treachery or cause him grief by committing adultery with his wife. Everything was a complete riot of bloody murder, robbery, deceit, corruption, faithlessness, disorder, falsehood, harassment of innocent people, ingratitude, moral decay, sexual perversion, broken marriages, adultery, and immorality. The worship of idols, whose names should never be spoken, is the beginning and the end, the cause and the result of every evil. So this scripture is saying the first perversion was idolatry. Nelson's Bible Dictionary defines idol or image as a symbol of object of worship and or a false god, but generally a statue or something of human manufacture. People substitute it for God. In pantheistic religions, all worship their gods through idolatry, but in Christianity as well is sucked into the act of idolatry. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 to 5, we know it says this is where God is talking about how we shouldn't make for ourselves any idols, okay? The churches are covered with idols, you know, the cross, the icons, and rosaries, which are innocently placed between God and us or used as some intermediary between God and us. God only requires a simple altar for worship with no idols or beauty. And that's in Exodus 20, verses 24 to 26. This generation idolizes many things, and we idolize famous people, power, money, computers, technology. You know, these things are like the gods of our future. And these things, 
you know, they are our gods. We do not control them, but they enslave and rule our lives. You see, we're very mesmerized by evil things. And basically, you know, um, it's kind of like we're hypnotized and suggestions are planted in us by evil spirits who play into our vulnerabilities, you know, our vulnerability of greed and jealousy and, you know, narcissistic behaviors. And we sit here and we relish in it, you know, while denying God all things. This generation will prove itself to be one of the most arrogant and wicked generations ever on this earth. You know, idolatry will rule as the great harlot religion in the last days. The ancient religion of mysticism will again be imposed on us. And as you can see right now, with the surge of the New Age religion today, this will be powered through by the world government. The Book of Wisdom, that chapter I just read, chapter 14, it says that the idol worshippers in the antediluvian age murdered their children in their rituals for their religion, okay? Like, I don't know if child sacrifice will make a comeback It's part of the end time religion, but it could be a possibility. And even if, you know, this end time religion doesn't bring back child sacrifices, I mean, like, our generation is pretty desensitized to the mass murders of children, you know? And I mean, women are here standing up for their rights for abortion, and there are over a million abortions, okay, performed in the U.S. alone every year. And that's not even around the world, okay? So as many as one in four pregnancies are being aborted, and the slaughter of unborn children is popular in our generation. And, you know, this has been intentionally disguised under, you know, the super corrupted doctrine of women's free choice. But remember, the Book of Enoch told us who taught the women how to abort their uh, abort their babies. Okay, this they're disguising it as free choice. And this is a doctrine that was taught by fallen angels to the women to do the very thing that God told us not to do. Thou shall not kill. Eugenics is a practice of improving human characteristics through birth and population control. And it was funded by, here's the Joe Care, the big boys, the Rockefeller, the Harriman, and the DuPont families. And the catch as well is, if you remember from the previous episodes, um, abortion was part of the evil antediluvian religion. Remember the fallen angel Azazel taught the antediluvian women doctrine and method of abortion. Abortion is a shameful doctrine, you know, of bad Enoch and his mystic religion. You know, it's like a warning to our generation. The next thing in Noah's world was adultery. Adultery became normal and is also used in entertainment as the plots and shows in movies. You know, we got murder and robbery and lies and corruption. Innocent life has lost respect and our world is desensitized to violence. We live in a generation of it's all about me, 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 me. And only what matters to the individual is what's important, nothing else. Children are being raised in a messed up society, desensitized and belittled, you know, we belittle the innocent and, you know, we're cursed to an ever more violent and corrupted future. Each generation is ruining the generation that comes after it. The way of the world today and its many businesses are all rooted in corruption this is the norm. Corruption is our norm. But all of this is being covered with the New Age doctrine, and all of this corruption is being branded as tolerance. Harassment of innocent people today is insane. And even to be religious or Christian, 
yo, we have to prepare to be ostracized, especially from mainstream society, if you're a Christian, a true Christian. We live in a world where disrespect and corruption, violence and sexual perversion, lies, you know, no morals are prospering right now. And those who stand against any of these things get nothing but hate from those who pride themselves on being tolerant to this foolishness. Today, very few believers view the Bible both literally and seriously, and the very few are being shunned and hated on just like Noah. See, people like Noah and the believers are hated on and often labeled or put into a group as people who are obsessed with the end times or apocalypse. And I myself, I've become one of those people when I saw what was happening and how no one was preparing for what's to come. You know, the Most High tells his watchmen to stay ready and be on guard. You know, the warnings are crying out to us and will continue to do so. People are really out here in the streets full of ego and deluded with their own self-importance. And they're out here really believing they're on some evolutionary path to godhood. It's a mess. It's a mess, guys. It's a big, huge mess. Currently, our generation is way more concerned with our outward beauty instead of the inside beauty, you know, our spiritual beauty. Media is a huge part of our culture worldwide and all it does is it pushes and sells to us outer beauty and materialistic things and all this has done to the masses is create a generation of self-lovers that only seem to get worse. We are a generation poisoned with consumerism. And because we're so proud of our accomplishments, we actually believe we're better than our ancestors. Guys, when I tell you, like, we're really, really, really and truly living in the delusion, y'all. Like, this is no joke. In prophecy, our generation is known to always be learning, but never acknowledging truth. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-7, to it says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never come to a knowledge of the truth. Do y'all hear what the scripture is saying right now? We are so blinded by pride and arrogance that we can't see the most high or we don't even care to recognize the creator of all that exists, okay? We fail to see the most high's imprint in all of creation in the universe. We're denying our creator. In Romans chapter 1 verses 20 to 25, the apostle Paul says, For since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God has made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their heart desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served things that God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. We are the same as our ancestors in the antediluvian era 
and after who refused to honor the Most High for all things. Second Peter chapter 3 verses 3 to 4 says, Most importantly, I want to remind you, in the last day, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Yahshua is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Guys, people are scoffing now at us. Okay, and the New Age religion, which is just mysticism covered with a little bit of everything, refers to Yahshua the Messiah as a consciousness. They call it the Christ consciousness. You see, they're trying to deny him as an entity. But when you see now, everything is unfolding and our generation is recreating Sodom and Gomorrah on a global scale. Now, this might seem like a huge exaggeration to some, but before y'all say I'm extra, look at everything going on now. Okay, Sodom and Gomorrah were known for their violence and their sexual immorality, which included all sorts of weird stuff, you know, like orgies, they did human sacrifices, there was polygamy, rape, bestiality, adultery, you name it, okay? Trust and believe before the end of this last generation is finished, this world will be Sodom and Gomorrah reincarnated. Our world is ready to embrace a new Tower of Babel that will bring just as much evil as the first tower. It will have a new Nimrod, the new rebel, who is currently waiting very patiently for his time. So we know from scriptures that the new Babylon, it will be a city of commerce. Um, and that is in Revelation 18, um, 11 to 24, where all the merchants or the businessmen of the world grow rich and will mourn after Babylon has been destroyed. This reincarnated Babylon will be so powerful in wealth, it will be ruthless. And this city will be the one to order the genocide of the believers. And guys like this genocide will be on a scale that this earth has never seen, okay? Babylon will not be the utopian religion or city it will appear to be. The world religion will be the religion of the Nephilim and it will enforce a new form of idolatry on a global scale through forced worship of the image of the Antichrist. So I just want to read Revelation chapter 17 verses 3 to 5 real quick. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand, filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore testimony to Yahshua, when I saw her, I was greatly astonished. The woman on the beast is the mother of all prostitutes who holds up the cup filled with abominations, okay? So in the Bible, adultery and prostitution allegories are used all throughout it, right? And quite often. And these are used regarding the unfaithfulness to the Most High, okay? The true God of the universe. So it's regarding spiritual adultery and prostitution. This is mentioned many times in the Old Testament. For example, in Hosea 2 verses 4 to 13, I'll just read you. I will not show my love to her children because they are the children of adultery. Their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my olive oil and my drink. Therefore, I will block her path with thorn bushes. I will wall her in so that she cannot find her way. She will chase after her lovers, but not catch them. 
She will look for them, but not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my husband as at first, for then I was better off than now. She has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine and oil, who lavished her in silver and gold, which they use for Baal. Therefore, I will take away my grain when it ripens, and my new wine when it's ready, and I will take back my wool and my linen intended to cover her naked body. So now I will expose her lewdness before the eyes of her lovers. No one will take her out of my hands. I will stop all her celebrations, her yearly festivals, her new moons, her Sabbath days, all her appointed festivals. I will ruin her vines and her fig trees, which she said were her pay from her lovers. I will make them a thicket, and wild animals will devour them. I will punish her for the days she burned incense to the boughs. She decked herself with rings and jewelry and went after her lovers, but me... She forgot, declares the Most High. So you could see there that it's talking about a woman and talking about the spiritual unfaithfulness, like it's a relationship. So he, even though he gave her all these things, she goes to her other lover, her other gods. She burned incense to her other gods. Also in Ezekiel 23 verses 36 to 39, it says, The Most High said to me, Son of man, will you judge Ohola and Oholaba? Then confront them with their detestable practices, for they have committed adultery and blood is on their hands. They committed adultery with their idols. They even sacrificed their children whom they bore to me as food for them. They have also done this to me. At the same time, they defiled my sanctuary and desecrated my Sabbaths. On the very day they sacrificed their children to their idols, they entered my sanctuary and desecrated it. This is what they did in my house. So the prostitute and adultery allegories just imply that Babylon is figurative for the ancient pantheistic religion created by Cain and then reintroduced to the world by Hermes and Nimrod, the rebel. Babylon will be the center of the world, okay? It will be built on lies, disguised as righteousness, power, and is just going to give a whole bunch of false hope. It will appear as an enlightened universal religion taken in little bits and pieces of all religions of the world, but it will be the corrupt ancient religion of Babylon that denies Yahshua as the Hamashiach, the Messiah, and denies Yahweh as the true God of the universe. So Revelation, it does give us more detail on who the future Babylon will be. Okay, so Revelations chapter 17 verses 9, it says, this calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are the seven hills on which the woman sits. So when you read this, the only city that sits on seven hills or mountains is the city of Rome. So it's looking like Rome will be the global capital city for both business and religion, and it will be the center for the future utopia. Babylon will be Rome, capital of the new and improved Roman Empire and this corrupted religion it will be spawned secretly from within the Catholic Church through someone evil within there taking power Revelation chapter 19 verse 20 but the beast was captured, and with it, the false prophet who had performed signs on its behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. So at Babel, or Babylon, there was a false prophet who reintroduced the corrupted sacred sciences to humankind after the flood. Who, as I mentioned before, it was Hermes.
enemies, just like how bad Enoch was the false prophet for the mystical religion in the antediluvian era. So now if the last days are supposed to emulate the ancient days, then we have to wonder, how will the future false prophet introduce this new but still old universal religion? We know that the end time religion will take the stage by totally destroying the true Christianity. Revelation 13 verses 9 to 14 says, Whoever has ears, let them hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Are you guys listening? Then I saw the second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf, and it made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. So... If you guys know, like the lamb allegory that we always see, like the, you know, the little lamb, you know, the shepherds, the lamb allegory represents the Messiah and his church. Yahshua is the lamb of God. Now, in these verses here in Revelation that I just read, the beast with the two horns, like a lamb, is the false prophet and will lead the religion of Babylon, okay? And the dragon represents Satan. It always has. So this scripture is speaking of a corrupt leader coming under the guise of Christianity, okay? You know, that speaks the doctrine of Babylon, which is the pantheistic theology first introduced to earth in the age of the fallen angels okay this is why i started with the antediluvian era because it's gonna come a full circle again so the second beast in this prophecy it is the notorious antichrist okay the universal religion though it must infiltrate christianity first then make its way into the rest of the global religions to give it a universal christian kind of appearance right see the false prophet is the one that clears the way for the Antichrist. And this false prophet, it will be known to be one of the greatest prophets of all the ages, okay? He will be a false Elijah. But just like how John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah to clear the way for Yahshua and introduced him to the world, is the same way that this false prophet will do for the Antichrist. Scripture says that the false prophet will have superhuman powers to delude the masses to accept his fake works. He will be a future Hermes, okay, and his powers will be manifestations of the fallen angels. But to sum this up, you know, round up this topic here, overall, the purpose of the false prophet and, you know, the fake religion, it will be to bring the crowning of the fake Messiah, you know, the new Nimrod. And this false prophet who will play the role of Hermes will rediscover and reintroduce the lost knowledge of bad Enoch from the antediluvian era and Babel. Um, and this false prophet will show modern acts of sorcery. Okay. And guys, this sorcery, it may even include the alien deception that's to come. But all in all, like this huge scheme, you know, to persuade the biblically ignorant and, you know, technologically advanced and religious generation, 
It's all to, so everyone could embrace, you know, this so-called enlightened religion. Scripture teaches that the spirit of the Antichrist denies Yahshua as the true Messiah, but it doesn't deny him as an historical being. So, you know, just wait for it because the Messiah, Yahshua, will be devalued just as another prophet. And this is going to be done at the perfect timing when they have everybody right where they want them, when they have all the sheeple right where they want them, okay? Just like a snake does, they will leap towards us with so-called earth-shattering discoveries full of lies and deception, okay? But this is all a part of their plan. This is what they've been doing for 6,000 years. At the right time, they will unleash these lies and rip Christianity apart, okay? Then the false prophet will take the stage with his false and well-crafted evidence and knowledge destined to welcome the the Antichrist. First John chapter 4 verses 2 to 3 says, By this you know the Spirit of the Most High. Every spirit that confesses that Yahshua, the Messiah, has come in the flesh is of the Most High. And every spirit that does not confess that Yahshua, the Messiah, has come in the flesh is not of the Most High. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming and now is already in the world. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 22, it says, Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Yahshua is the Messiah. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. So now, Freemasonry and Gnosticism, um, they do acknowledge Yahshua or Jesus as a true and historical figure, but they do devalue him to just a man who was just enlightened and wise, right? So the New Age um, religion and Islam and, and polytheism, um, they do recognize Jesus historically as a prophet as well. But then we have, you know, science and the education system that denies him altogether. Christianity is falling apart and it's filled with leaders who dismiss the accuracy of biblical history. You know, it's falling apart because of lack of faith, but it's also falling apart because of the allegorical interpretations, okay? You know, trying to justify certain parts by denying scripture truth. In the public education system, Christianity has been completely banned. Okay, and institutions that haven't been overrun are getting in trouble for things like, you know, political correctness and tolerance and even hate crimes. Christian schools, they're probably going to start getting attacked on a larger scale soon unless the schools are privately funded. But if they do leave the schools alone, watch and believe they will be ruined, okay? They will be ruined with this new Christianity. Creationism and intelligent design, it has been banned and has been replaced with evolution theory, you know, which it's taught as a fact, by the way. It's just theory, but they teach it like it's fact. And, you know, they're teaching it as fact to the innocent minds of children. And, like, if you really think about it, Evolution has become its own religion, and it requires way more faith than any other religion. But we know evolution is just another way to deny the creator's existence. Christianity has this new doctrine where it's all about, you know, tolerance. You know, they're allowing sexual freedom for the youth, and, you know, there's gay marriages and priests. And at the end of the day, guys, like, I don't shame or judge anybody to say that I'm going to condemn them and all of that stuff. Like, 
people are going to do what they want. Okay. Whether I agree or not, that's how it's always been. You know, people are always going to do what they want, but at the same time, I don't entertain what I don't believe in. Right. So I do keep myself away and out of it, AKA minding my business right now. If someone asks me, if they come up to me and they ask me my belief and opinions, I will gladly talk about them, you know, but I don't go about the place shoving it down people's throats. And, you know, this is what the enemy does. And I believe we must move differently because attacking people, it gets you nowhere. You know, we got to talk in love, but in truth as well. But all in all, you know, moving on. <laughs> Environmental globalism, it is another huge doctrine that is pushed to further the agenda, which fuels the fear in the people, you know, that there's an apocalypse to come. The young are being brainwashed to believe that only through world unification and through globalist policies, it will make sure that we don't destroy ourselves or our planet, you know, which opens the door to the future utopia and new religion and, you know, the new world government. But the gag is like the Freemasons, they are the true glo globalists. The UN, it's filled with globalist organizations, you know, funded by these Freemasons. So we can go ahead, you know, change the name of the leaders or whichever political party elected. It does not matter, not one single bit at all. Like I said in the beginning of the podcast, because every single politician, every single one, all preach the New World Order, okay? And each person, each political party, they move one of the many chess pieces on the board. You know, they're just moving them and putting certain moves into play for their next move. And the people out here voting for which one to move towards our own, you know, destruction. The Freemasons and this whole plot is to have us think and be brainwashed enough to think and believe that what is planned will be good for us. It's really, it, guys, like I said before in the beginning, it's just sick, okay? All of this results in spiritual death. So... This writer and conspiracy theorist, Ralph Epperson, um, he's known for his anti-Masonic views. He wrote that Freemasonry desires to destroy the current government and religion by restoring humankind to the first estate, the corrupted Garden of Eden, through a corrupt redeemer. So basically, Freemasonry, they plan to replace the Most High, creator of the universe. They want to remove him as the foundation of all things, as the beginner of all things, right? So they could recreate the hermetic heaven on earth through the Luciferian Messiah, okay? The inner circle of Freemasonry right? This is who we refer to as the Illuminati, the head honchos, you know, who plan the new world order. Their plan is to destroy Christianity. Freemasonry has a rep, not for destroying churches, but replacing them, okay? And this is how they will do it. They will get the remaining Christians to convert to this universal religion of Babylon, okay? Christianity hangs on the doctrine of the resurrection, and I believe that this is where they will destroy it, Okay, with false evidence that they will prove the resurrection was a hoax and they will devalue the Messiah and the gospel with new interpretations and meanings that work with the scheme and the future world religion. You know, all the prophets of the monotheistic religions, you know, like Moses and Abraham and Muhammad and Yahshua, these guys are already known in the mystic religions as great prophets. You know, these guys don't deny them as prophets. 
they're they're known as the spiritually enlightened and as well as the others you know buddha and hermes and confucius they're all known as the enlightened sent to help mankind on our ascension to godhood you know these spiritual leaders from all religions they will be recognized as the enlightened spirit guides under the new world religion of delusion okay and when christianity is broken apart this mystic doctrine of the monotheistic religions it will help bridge the gap of monotheism to pantheism okay it will help bridge that gap so everybody accepts everybody else right all the other gods you know and and they will they will be waiting for the new spirit guide from the false prophet they're waiting for that antichrist you know the new buddha in 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 new age religion they're waiting for the new buddha who they call lord matria you know what i mean everybody's waiting for jesus's return and the jesus that we'll see this is where brainwashing comes in that picture that we see of jesus it's all programming so we know who's coming okay this will be straight up, okay? Straight up worshiping Satan and rejecting the God of the universe. In these pantheistic religions and the mystic mystery religion of Freemasonry, with its start back from the seed of Cain and, you know, bad Enoch's creative religion, this mysticism, it contains the knowledge that Lucifer is their God and that, you know, the fallen angels and the, are the many other gods in their pantheon. But guys, like, obviously, they're not going to, like, drop that bomb on, on us just like that, you know? They're going to groom the masses. Like, you, as you can see today, especially with a lot of this new age and, like, witchcraft has, like, taken a boom. They're pushing this on TV shows. They're grooming everybody to accept this new religion, you know? And giving people the impression that, you know, that Satan wasn't evil and he came to enlighten the people. There's that word again. He made it so that we were enlightened, okay, to the knowledge of good, the light. This is a corrupt doctrine, okay? I want to go all the way back to Genesis 3, verses 4 to 6. It says here, You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and was pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of them both were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. In this scripture, it's showing the core, okay, the core of the corrupted doctrine of Lucifer. Okay, and this is the core doctrine of the pantheistic religions. By eating the fruit, Adam and Eve, they rebelled against God and they followed Satan unknowingly. Okay, they chose him over God. Now they have this knowledge, right, which the Freemasonry and the doctrine of um, Lucifer, they call it light, right? This is the enlightenment. They just went through that enlightenment, the knowledge of good and evil, or we could just call it wisdom right? And Lucifer stated that knowledge or wisdom would make them like God. The true God and creator of the universe, okay, is written off as the oppressor who tries to keep humankind under oppressive bondage of ignorance for his own desires. And Lucifer is a God of light who freed the humans from this bondage so they could achieve Godhood, okay? And he is transformed to this God of light and knowledge, 
okay? And, you know, he's the savior for humankind instead of the enemy of humankind, like scripture says. Even though the true Antichrist um, has been reserved for the chosen end times, which is the last three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation, it still hasn't stopped the forces of evil from trying to bring forth a fake Messiah, you know, since Adam and Eve's fall from grace. The ultimate goal, though, for the corrupted forces um, to introduce a fake Messiah, you know, at the time of trouble, but they want to do it at a time that conflicts with the time destined by God. The time destined by God is the last three and a half years in the seven-year tribulation. But there's so many times in history you could see a push, right? There's always, you know, a fake Messiah or somebody trying to be one, you know, that conflicts with the time destined by God. You know, this is why through the years in history, you know, the spirit of the corrupt religion gain control over, you know, world governments and, you know, are put into position as, you know, its world dictator. Remember, the spirit of the Antichrist is like a living being waiting to pounce. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses seven and eight says, for the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom Yahshua the Hamashiach will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. And all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So the Antichrist, he will be unstoppable, even though he will gain power using a platform of peace. You know, um, in the same way throughout history, you know, Nimrod did the same thing. Nimrod, Alexander the Great, Napoleon, Hitler, you know, they all got the world to bend to their will for a short time. And so will the future Antichrist. And once he's gained power, he will switch up just like Nimrod and Hitler. The Most High defines a spiritual beast to be one with an embittered spirit, right? That's ignorant of God's love and goodness and authority. You know, a spiritual beast is incapable of understanding God's love. In Jude verses 8 to 10, it says, In the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did he not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Yet these people slander whatever they do not understand, and the very things they do understand by instinct, as irrational animals do, will destroy them. Woe to them! They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error, and they have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. You know, Satan and his angels, they use these spiritual beasts to slander God in heaven and all those who live in heaven with God, just like how he used, you know, his fallen angels and he used Cain and Cain's descendants, as well as Nimrod and Hermes. You know, these dark angels, they use ignorant, they use ignorant humans to do their work. You know, there's people out here, you know, they think the, the new world order and 
They think all of this is so far-fetched and, you know, what kind of people would do this because they so wholeheartedly believe in the government, you know, they believe in these guys. And, you know, the coming world government is not like a mythical or unattainable goal, you know, especially in a world that's spiritually broken. Um, I just want to read some scripture from Daniel and Revelation before I continue. So um, let me pull up Daniel here. So Daniel chapter 7 verses 23 to 24. So it says, he gave me this explanation, the fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The 10 horns are 10 kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time. And I also want to read Revelation 17 verses 7 and then jump down to 9 and 12. Then the angel said to me, why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and the beast that she rides, which has the seven heads and ten horns. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are the seven hills on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet to come. But when he does come, he must remain only for a little while. The beast who once was and now is not is an eighth king. He will belong to the seven and he is going to his destruction. The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but who for one hour will receive authority as kings as along with the beast. So the seven kingdoms mentioned in Revelation are the world empires. So you have the Egyptian empire, the Assyrian empire, the Babylonian Empire, you know, the Persian, the Greek, and the Roman Empire of that time period, right? And then we have the revived Roman Empire of the future. And the woman who rides the world empires is the harlot, uh, aka, you know, the corrupted religion. And she's a key component that dominates the empires from within, Okay, with the destructive doctrines of Lucifer, just like she will dominate the future empire. Okay, so Daniel said that the last great empire will rise out of the ashes of the Roman Empire. All have attempted over the years to bring about, you know, a false messiah, Antichrist, but, you know, they've all failed except for the coming seventh empire, the world empire, that will succeed once the Holy Spirit is removed from the earth right? The Antichrist will feed the socialists with false hopes and utopian expectations for the future, you know, centralizing so much power into the few hands and will bring forth the new Nimrod. He'll be a dictator of, you know, war and power, and he will be against God and God's people, just like Nimrod was and just like the Nephilim of the Antediluvian era were. Daniel chapter 8 verses 10 to 11 says, It grew until it reached the host of heavens, and it threw some of the starry host to the earth and trampled on them. It set itself up to be as great as the commander of the army of the Most High. It took away the daily sacrifice from the Most High, and his sanctuary was thrown down. So the Empire of the Antichrist, um, it will probably be as well filled with the delusional idea that it will be part of a galactical 
government. You know, we will be seeing a lot of strange things. Oh, and we could see, we could see the moves being played out, you know, being made. You know, you had the US, you know, Trump was talking about the new Space Force military. You know, I won't be surprised if this is to prepare for the war with the forces of evil led by the Most High. You know, like Daniel stated, the Antichrist and fallen angels will capture some of the heavenly angels in the last three and a half years. And remember, in this time, the dark angels in the abyss would now had already been released to haunt the earth. Okay, the heavenly angels will be tortured and humiliated and be a public spectacle, but they won't be killed. So that's what I'm saying. The alien delusion, it's a delusion. They don't want you guys to know who these aliens are because alien and the thing is too when we think alien you know we think the little you know what we've characterized them to be you know but an alien is just anything that is unknown to you why do we need a space force if there's like who's out there you know and that's what people are getting into oh it must be the aliens no there is a war and the bible has been telling us about this you know what i mean the bible has been telling us about uh, telling us about this and this is what they're preparing us for the alien deception and the phenomenon regarding them has been brewing from time, you know, getting itself ready for the perfect generation to uh, unleash it on. Currently, there's a wave of obsession almost with uh, space and aliens, and it's starting to get pushed a lot more in the media, you know, through books, uh, movies and TV shows. And the idea to accept aliens and also the fear of them is being pushed to play out moves to further push the overall plan of the New World Order. Since the space age started in 1957, um, public opinions on aliens have changed so drastically, guys, it's unreal. Statistics show that more than half of the world now believes in the existence of aliens and that they're among us, okay? Um, literally, in less than one generation, we've become brainwashed to accept aliens and encounters with them. You know, the media uses things like movies and TV shows to brainwash and push the idea to the masses that aliens could provide mankind with, um, with knowledge, you know, new knowledge that is usually pushed in the tradition of mysticism and that these aliens will bring us closer to the universe. You know, the new agers, they say that aliens supposedly will help us with our evolution and allows us to vibrate to a higher plane of existence okay the new age doctrine it pushes the belief and a promise of an age where people will only be concerned with achieving enlightenment there's that word enlightenment you know which is um known as immortality basically right everybody wants to achieve immortality but on their own terms the new age believers are expecting the new buddha who they call uh, Lord Maitreya. But, you know, all this talk of enlightenment, um, it's literally just a final triumph over the knowledge that was gained by Adam and Eve when they ate from the tree of knowledge, okay? The serpent, Lucifer, told them that they would be like God, gaining this wisdom. And this is what mankind has set to do ever since, you know, to reach that godhood that Satan enticed them with. So in the New Age doctrine, Yahshua or Jesus, is known as someone who was simply ahead of his time and was sent just like, you know, Muhammad and Buddha and the others to guide us to our destiny. They believe that he mastered the knowledge of godhood as an example of the world and that Yahshua never professed to be the Messiah or son of God. So there were these guys, this group called the Essenes, who were a Jewish sect. Um, they were more into mysticism. If you know anything about, you know, 
the Kabbalah and all that kind of stuff, that's them. But these guys, they considered themselves to be a Judaic sect um, descending from bad Enoch. Okay, the serpent, or it's more of a dragon, was their symbol representing their heritage, um, like the White Snake Brotherhood in Egypt, that secret society. But their message of Yahshua and John the Baptist was that they taught that we would all evolve into gods once we learned and mastered the mystical secrets known as the way like they did. Um, these mystical secrets of the universe are what the aliens or fallen angels, we should call them. Um, that's what they're here to give mankind, just like they did with the descendants of Cain. And mind you, this doctrine will be pushed in a politically correct way as well, obviously, you know, so it doesn't cause any chaos to the masses. You know, they've, they've gotten us to a point where we would accept these aliens, you know, like look at that stupid raid of Area 51 that happened last year, and they didn't find the aliens but it shows how desensitized and brainwashed people are ready to accept this doctrine. You know, this corrupted knowledge that the fallen ones, you know, whom we call aliens, it's still the coming doctrine of the Antichrist, you know, that will deny Yahshua as the Hamashiach, the Messiah. There is another catch to this whole alien invasion and belief, you know, which is it is part of the method to reincarnate Babylon. You know, this alien force is a method to globalize everyone into one for the New World Order, where once again, humankind um, will be united with, you know, one language, one ruler, one religion, bringing back the Tower of Babel era under the rule of the new Nimrod, the new rebel. And the end time religion will be split just like the tribulation will, you know, first will be the false religion of Babylon that, you know, unites mankind, which then gets replaced by the Antichrist, who will be revealed to the people as the Messiah, a savior to earth and, you know, mankind. And then boom, Lucifer is revealed to be the freeing God of light and knowledge. Okay. So like I mentioned before, many already believe that he was the angel who was wrong. Okay, they they believe that he was done dirty for trying to free the people. Okay, and I believe the Antichrist, just like Nimrod, will try to wage war with the Most High, exactly how Nimrod tried to. And I'm sure, I'm obviously, we know it would be done using technology, like a thousand percent, you know? So I just want to read a little passage here. Um, Daniel 8, verse 10 says, It, which is speaking about the Antichrist, grew strong enough to attack the army of heaven, the stars themselves, and it threw some of them to the ground and trampled on them. Okay, so the Antichrist grew so strong enough to attack the army of heaven and the stars themselves and threw some of them to the ground and trampled on them. You know, so reading this passage, clearly there'll be some kind of galactic war, you know, using the deception of aliens. The Antichrist will attack the army in heaven and throw them to the ground and trample on them. Okay, and don't be too surprised if they make us believe that the Most High's army, the Most High's army, are the bad guys. Okay, so you know these scientists, they talk about how old the Earth is, and you know, look at all the things here on Earth that are still undiscovered. You know, like look at the water. What lies beneath them is our greatest mystery. But these guys are so focused on space. Okay, so focused. Before we even know what's going on here, okay? Does Like, doesn't that raise questions? You know, I know people will say, well, it's to see if we're alone in the universe and, you know, that's more important. But it's like, come on. The first ever Space Force was recently revealed in the U.S., you know? Like, what are they preparing for? We see in Daniel that the Antichrist will clearly wage war in heaven. 
Okay, if this coming dictator is running the world here, wouldn't it be us that they'll be sending out to do so, you know, or machine or both? You know, you see where I'm going? These people don't know what time it is. And like I said, this is why it doesn't matter who you vote for because all they do is move the pieces forward in the game. It's either you're down for their game and if you aren't, you know, like the most high creator of the universe calls us to be, he doesn't want us to be a part of the game. You know what's good. You know what's good. It's like a mafia. It's either you're down or you're not. Yahshua says we cannot serve two masters for we will love one and hate the other. So who do we hold most dear? The beast system or the spiritual system of love and morals and values that the Most High teaches us to hold dear? In John 15 verses 18 to 19, Yahshua says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as their own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. We are called to not be a part of this world okay we're chosen to be out of it because we know our stay here is only temporary compared to the eternity with our true father in heaven the enemy's judgment it has already been made they know their destiny and the humans working with the enemy they are trying to gain immortality on their own terms again trying to reach godhood the most high never created hell for humans it was designed for the rebellious angels but the fallen ones are trying to drag the most high's prized possession down with them you know it's so sad and it's like a slap to the face to God, you know, but all in all, we know everything has to play out as it should, you know, since the plan of the Most High is absolutely perfect. We know earth will be restored and we will live in peace with Yahshua reigning in peace. Okay, in the beginning of this series, I mentioned that the end time prophecies also tied into mythology you know, which we have revealed with the Nephilim in the Bible being the demigods of the myths, you know, and the alien doctrine ties into this as well. You know, when you read into stories from those who've been abducted, you know, it's pretty eerie how similar they are to the ancient encounters with the fallen ones, you know, the demons and Nephilim. Um, people who are abducted, they say that um, the aliens are described as rough skin, thin lipped and long necked snake like beings, just like the Nephilim, but smaller. And these facts are common in most abduction cases. Also, a lot of women that get abducted, they're used as hosts to carry hybrid children for a while before they're abducted again and the aliens remove the fetus from her womb. You know, it's kind of like they've upgraded their way of doing things and they're still creating hybrid beings. But instead of living amongst them like they did before the flood, it's like they've built a headquarters in space where they are performing and still building their army their Nephilim hybrid army. When you read like these alien encounters, they do parallel encounters with, you know, demons and Nephilim and fallen angels, but they're also very common and could be linked as well to fairies. Okay. Um, I did mention the first ever episode, mythological creatures are involved in this whole thing. Okay. In 1954 in Venezuela, there was an alien abduction where witnesses described the aliens as hairy dwarf-like beings. In 1955 in Kentucky, in the U.S., um, the city was Ho Hopkinsville, um, to be exact, but five goblin-like creatures with wrinkled skin, large eyes, and ears were found. And then there are, you know, the ever-popular aliens known as the Greys. Um, we all know what the greys look like, you know, the cartoons, and those are the ones that we all picture when we think of aliens, right? So fairies that kidnap children were known as the gray neighbors by the Scottish. 
Okay, these fairies were small gray goblin and troll-like creatures. Another encounter in northern Wales. This was more than 100 years ago, though, but it was seen by a man named David Williams. But he's seen a meteor-like vehicle that flew, and it had a ring of fire, and there were little fairy-like beings dancing around it. You know, kind of sound like a UFO with its creatures or aliens doing its thing. You know, goblins, elves, trolls, gnomes. Um, you know, they're known in mythology, well described in mythology as greys, you know, gray skinned, oval head and lanky limbs. And they're always known to be eager to breed with humans, you know, just like the popular, the alien greys. Um, that's what they're known for as well. They're eager to breed with humans to strengthen their genetic makeup so they could continue to survive. Gene manipulation using eugenics was the same thing used by the Nazis with the New Man Project. Um, also remember, this is how the Nephilim were born, okay, through interbreeding. You know, but all in all, the technology used involved with, you know, alien encounters as well as the other myths, um, they've been brewed to deceive mankind. You know, this deception, it feeds the modern world, you know, to lead them astray and further away from, you know, the most high. And it's pushing this resurrection of Babel you know, and pushing the Eastern mystic religions, you know, the new age, which is just the old, you know, Masonic fraternities. You know, I don't get it because people aren't down. They're not down with the Illuminati, but, you know, they're worshiping and drinking in everything that these guys stand for, you know, and that we will expect alien encounters to continue to increase until they are finally able to be among us, just like they were before the flood. You know, like the days of Noah, bringing us again, a full circle back to the beginning. So Satan and his squad, they've waged war against the Most High and against truth thousands and thousands of years ago, okay? And soon everything will be completely inverted, you know, upside down, inside out here on earth. Wrong will become right and right will become wrong. And what will be pushed is truth and the way will be nothing but a bullface lie. You know, truth will get trampled over and over in these last days. In the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 24, it says, For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the chosen ones, if that were possible. So the Antichrist we know will come with talks of peace, you know, and he will do a worldwide peace treaty in a sense to push the corrupted dream. I mean, there has been enough war in this world, so people will turn, you know, to this dictator of this false peace in hopes for, you know, the utopian, the golden era. Um, I'm sure the Antichrist will have solutions for problems in the world, you know, like the issues in the Middle East, for example. He will have solutions for all the worldly problems that will get everyone on board, you know, on his wave. So scripture, it does tell us also that um, the Antichrist will have false royal bloodlines, you know, and he will he will profess to have these royal bloodlines descending through Jesus and King David, you know, pushing that this ruling will be his destiny. Um, this info is super important, guys. Like I mentioned multiple times throughout the series, there was a pure creation made by God and then the tainted hybrid bloodline through the transgenics epidemic of Genesis 6, which created all of this shenanigans, okay? So I will go into the bloodlines in the next and final episode of this series. But people 
people who believe in the false messiah, the antichrist, the world will protect him. And the saints who know who he is, like, you know, we will speak against him. And this will cause, you know, those who are drunk off the delusion to want us gone, you know, like they do now, but it will be much worse. And this global bias towards the antichrist will set the genocides in motion. So also another thing to look out for is the rise um, in spirit guides and spiritual encounters. Um, you know, demons and fallen angels, you know, they parade about as angels of light and will continue to contact people to deceive them. And they will pass on, here's this word again, spiritual enlightenment, okay? People will fall for this Babylon religion through the rise of the New Age movement. And spiritual leaders will take the stage being guided by, you know, these spiritual guides who, again, are these fallen angels disguising themselves as angels of light. Second Corinthians chapter 11 verses 14 to 15, it says, And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then even his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness that their end will be what their actions deserve. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses nine to 11 says, so the coming of the lawless one, who is the antichrist, will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays and powers through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceive those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. So the Most High sends them a powerful delusion. Those who refuse the truth because they rather live the lie and support, you know, this beast system instead of living and knowing the truth to save themselves. Satan and his mafia literally wage war against the truth and we have gotten to the point where everything will be inverted, okay? The truth will be completely wiped out, you know? And those drinking from this cup, this beast system, you know, the matrix will be lost to it as Second Thessalonians said, you know? And God just left those who were gone to the system. Us believers who are aware of the times, we need to move smarter. You know, I see there are those who talk about the end times to be overly evil and violent, you know, with displays of demonology, which those of us who know this to be true, like it is going to be true, just not to the public eye. But the believers who are hardcore with the message need to be careful because they're putting themselves in risk for being a pawn. For the last generation you know like we need to spread the message with determination yes but also with humility and tolerance and respect for others you know for the blessing and the sake of the message you know the message of the apocalypse won't be taken seriously with believers condemning others and going off the deep end you know we must teach with love and understanding you know the extreme behavior will only serve the enemy you know, helping them write us off as nutcases and bigots who are intolerant, you know, and acting like that will have them characterize us this way and they will use it to discredit the divine message like they already are. You know, us saints need to teach in truth and in love and understanding just like Yahshua did. So I am going to wrap it up here. Um... So the next episode will be the final episode of this series where I'm strictly going to be talking about the bloodlines, okay, leading up. Um, how the bloodlines work in the Bible leading up to the Antichrist and who to look out for. So everything makes sense, you know. Um, it, will, it will come a full circle at the end of um, next episode. The reason why I started with the antediluvian era um, and before the flood 
was because, you know, this is where this whole scheme started. You know, it didn't die. It continued and continued and continued. It's been over 6,000 years, you know, and we're starting to see it play out. So, um, but yeah, those who've been listening from since episode one, you know, you're a real one. And always feel free to send questions if you have. Um, you could message me or DM me at Till Shiloh Radio on Instagram. Or if you're listening on the Anchor app, there is a little section where it says message and you could send a voice recording to me and I could listen to it and answer any questions. But yep, I hope you guys have a fabulous week. Um, thanks for riding out with me. We're almost done this little mini series here on the antediluvian era. Um, but yeah, I'm so excited to talk about, there's so much more I want to talk about, but it's just crazy. It's crazy how everything going on, on in this world, you know, it's all an attack on God. So, you know, I know there's people who don't believe in a creator or anything and, you know, to each their own, but you know, the things that they believe in evolution and all these things, you know, and then you dig into who's at work and why are they pushing the message and everything in this world, it all traces back to one thing and that's the creator. And it just looks like, you know, it's just for us to completely deny our creator and like is to be solely independent, solely independent. Like, oh, we're here. So we want to just take over, you know, take over the world, take over something that was never ours to begin with. You know, everything on this earth belongs to the creator. Um, so it's interesting. It's interesting, you know, the days are dark, but it's interesting now to see things play out. It really is. But I'm going to leave it off here. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Take care and I will see you guys next episode. Till Shiloh, Shiloh Radio. Radio.